inside. They're not letting you run. Everyone's one-on-one -on -one now. You can throw to anybody on this play. He's one-on-one -on -one up top right here. One more time to decide it, Carl. Yes! Yeah. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Irish NFL podcast. Um, before you all start questioning yourselves, no, you haven't uh, lost your minds. This is not Mark Cockrell. Unfortunately, our resident Pats fan and captain of the ship has left us for this week. That intro you just heard was Derek Carr to Crabtree for the touchdown of the weekend in a result that we most definitely will touch on in a few minutes. So in his absence, I will be your host. I am Gordon, the enchanted Steelers fan this week. And I'm joined by Brian, our once again crestfallen Giants fan. Brian, how are you? Good, good. Good evening, Gordon. And like always, you can find us on the Irish NFL podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and follow us on Twitter at Irish NFL Pod. Uh, the podcast is brought to you by the 42.ie, Ireland's leading sports website. And on today's episode, we're joined by a special guest, the 42.ie's NFL guru, uh, the speechless Raiders fan, Steve O'Rourke. Welcome, Steve. Yeah, it's great to be here. I suppose before we kick off, um, you're new to the podcast. Uh, at the very start of the season, we all kind of gave a little backstory on where our love for the NFL started. So can you give us a snapshot of where it started for you? Yeah, I suppose probably maybe a sign of a misspent youth. Um, maybe Monastrevan, County Kildare's only NWA fan, uh, would have listened to a lot of, of that. And around the same time, the Raiders kind of, I got a edition of Sports Illustrated with the Raiders on the cover and you can't help but fall in love with silver and black and it kind of it started a long and, and turbulent love affair uh, mostly <laughs> uh, mostly hate to be honest uh, for a lot of those years but uh, yeah so they would have been the LA Raiders when I first started supporting them and in the next couple of years they're going to be the Las Vegas Raiders it's a but uh, you know as Al Davis always said they're just the Raiders the Raiders to you yeah you've had a, a, a tough few years back to now where you're in the glory hunt at the moment so yeah it felt it feels so weird to be actually waking up on a Monday with, with wins um, because for so long things were just so bad and actually the the, 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 the four losses in a row it kind of came along as you know this, this, is, shock. Uh, this is weird like yeah. it, I, I forgot what this felt like and it feels horrible to wake up on a Monday morning with your team having lost well I suppose there's no better way to kick off uh, the review of last week than uh, the Chiefs versus the Raiders uh, I suppose I won't steal any of the limelight from you Steve take us through this one yeah, uh, to be honest, it, it was a game that maybe didn't need to be as close as it was. Um, I thought like the, the, the Chiefs' last touchdown was, y you know, if, the, if Alex Smith threw 100 of those passes, it wouldn't be tipped into the receiver's hands the way it was. And for the second half, the Chiefs' offense, as bad as the Raiders' defense has been this season, they kind of limited it. I mean, they didn't score from seven minutes into the third quarter through to the end of the game. And this was a Chiefs' offense that was the best four-quarter offense in football. So, you know, as exciting as the finish was, as exciting as it is to have, like, five different twists in the last four seconds of a game, which is what it felt like. I mean, I was sick. I, I was off work sick, uh, and I kind of couldn't sleep, so I was up watching the game. I probably would have got up to watch it anyway, but... It was one of those situations where like, I, there was no way I could sleep afterwards. I yeah. fully planned that once the game was over, I was going to go back to bed, get 90 minutes and hours, two hours sleep. When, when you have a game like that and your team pulls off it dramatic win like that, you, know, you just can't sleep. You're just... You're buzzing for hours after. Yeah, it's yeah. it's why we love it's why we love the sport, especially because we'd lost by a point on the last kick of the game the week before as well. Yeah. Like I mean, just to reverse it and to reverse it against a team that you know has for the last kind of two three years owned the Raiders. Yeah, they they haven't been able to buy a win, and so to get that and to see you know Amari Cooper who is quite possibly the best route runner in the NFL, but with hands of stone, you know, to see him actually catch a few passes and, and get his 210 yards was, was a really nice thing to yeah, see. Yeah, it's, it's been a tough few weeks, I suppose, for the Raiders, uh, injuries, the likes, and I suppose Marshawn Lynch not producing, I suppose ourselves, Brian, we've discussed that the yeah. Raiders have been disappointing, but at certain stage of the season, but they got the win against the Chiefs, who we've always been big fans of. I think Steve's touched on it. It's a very good point. Cooper, he's really is. He's the man. If Carr and Cooper are connecting him, and you know, in unison with one another, similar to where they were last year, they've got a great chance. And it was just great to see the connection striking up. That particular that first touchdown, the, the flea flicker back to Carr, and yeah. then yeah. they get him. It was a fantastic. Yeah, touchdown. There might have been offensive pass interference, but they, you know, so we won't take it. The wins a win, you yeah, know. Exactly. I did. I did go for the Raiders in this one. You did. You did. You picked yeah. them. You picked them for this game. I, I said I the streak would end. You know. Yeah, well, look, the Chiefs are still 5-2, and two, so, you know, th they're not going to complain too much at this stage of the season. Uh, I suppose moving on then, we had the Jets against the Dolphins, and the Jets, again, just proving that they're they're not the team we thought they were at the start of the season. They are just coming up trumps with some uh, good performances and really driving teams throughout it. But I suppose the Dolphins, who had a QB starting, who we didn't expect to be starting, pulled out a fourth quarter that was just amazing. 
And uh, take us on this one, Brian, in the win that the Dolphins pulled out of the bag. I suppose they're going into the fourth quarter, but Cutler, not, not saying Cutler is top upper echelons quarterbacks, but the fact that he'd gone out of the game in an injury, Macmore's coming in, they're down by touch two touchdowns to a Jets defense that has played really well this season. None, so of, none of us have tipped them to do this well. No, and they've been very strong in ticking on defense, and to see the Dolphins come back, it was a fantastic performance by Moore and by Landry and Stills to really get themselves open. Um, I don't think it takes far away from the fact that when Cutler comes back from the injury, I still believe he'll go back in. Moore is very good for 1-2 game management. We saw it last year towards the back end of the season when Ryan Tannehill got injured, that Moore came in and steadied the ship and got them into the playoffs. It was one particular game towards the back end of the season when he had a great win against the Jets in, uh, in MetLife. But going you know, this week, they've got the Ravens, and the Ravens obviously seem to have their number. So um, yeah, it's tough going. They're still but uh, they're for, for and, and all the stuff that's gone on with the Dolphins around you know, the injuries and the whole disruption with the first week of the season. They'll be four and two at this stage and very much under the radar within the division. They're doing very well. Yeah, I suppose the question I'll put to you, Steve, on this is, uh, Brian has said Jay Cutler will definitely come back in. Moore, for me, seemed to be the most passionate um, uh, Dolphins quarterback I've seen in the last few games. He's a lot more passionate than Jay Cutler, as in have are Dolphins regretting the money they give given Jay Cutler, or... Is it just a risk they had I to take? When you spend ten million on a year's worth of a, a player, you probably always have buyer's regret. But I would suggest that that Matt Moore probably got a bad rap for his playoff performances last year. But you have to remember he was concussed. Yeah. Like I mean, he he had no business being on an NFL field, and you know that's obviously going to impact your performance. So yeah, I don't know whether like you know the the eye tests kind of showed that Moore was better than Cutler, but the stats actually play out. It was actually the Jets' defense just got worse in the fourth quarter. It was their worst quarter of the season. Yeah. And, you know, that played a part in it. And I, the, the short week coming up against the Ravens, I mean, I'd be surprised if Cutler came back. If it's a cracked rib on a short week, I'd be surprised if he came back this week. I think he will be the starting quarterback going forward. I think it might be a, just a one-game thing. Yeah. But I'd be very surprised if it was this week. Okay, and then moving on to uh, another team none of us uh, on this podcast rated too highly at the start of the season, but the Panthers against the Bears. Uh, I said this last week. I said... If the Panthers lose to the Bears, they seriously need to look in the mirror. The Panthers seriously need to look in the mirror, lads. This was just... I I was shocked. Couldn't believe it. The Bears had a rookie safety in Eddie Jackson, who made history when he became the first player to score multiple defensive touchdowns of 75 yards or more. He's also the only N- uh, rookie in the NFL history with two 75-yard uh, touchdowns, uh, defensive touchdowns in a season. And Trubisky only went 4-7 for 107 yards. Uh, just, I'm lost on this one. Explain this one, Steve. This is... Yeah, I actually picked the Bears to win this game. Uh, I do uh, I do this weekly picking with a group of five other guys, and it was actually the Jets that screwed me. I was perfect on Thursday Night Football and all the early slate of games, and it was I had the Bears, and everyone laughed at me. Like They even put a picture of Paddington Bear rather than the actual Bears logo because they thought this was the r- most ridiculous pick. I, w- I would have been with them on that one. So Yeah, I, I just the Bears at home are a very, very different proposition, and you've got John Fox, a coach who obviously had Tim Tebow in the past, and this is what he's doing with Trubisky he's he's setting up a team on offense not to lose and a defense that can very much you know win games for them I think it was most worth pointing out as well Eddie Jackson got those two touchdowns on the anniversary of breaking his leg yes caused him to obviously his stock to fall in the draft and he's an Alabama alumni going up against an Auburn quor- former Auburn quarterback. There was a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wrote a v- I kind of review of the game this week, and uh, I was saying that the, the Panthers actually, and maybe every team going forward against the Bears, might be better off just punting on first down and making the Bears come at them. Within those 107 yards, it's pretty true. There was one long ball to come, which equates for probably 40, 50 of those yards. Yeah. But And then time of possession that the... Bears only had the ball for 18 minutes of the game. So it was very much... If you every time like, the game went back on the red zone, the Panthers had the ball. Yeah. But they were between sloppy play on in, initially on the fourth one where there was a, a cross a cross pass which was fumbled and then obviously yeah. Jackson went for the touchdown. And then the, the second one was a very high throw by Cam. It just seemed the whole day the Panthers' offense just were continuously sloppy. They have no run game. Yeah. McCaffrey hasn't taken off to the extent that people... Like, well I remember the conversation coming out of the draft. Was it, was it Fournette or was it McCaffrey which was the right mm. one to select? He hasn't. He just hasn't. He hasn't delivered yeah. it yet. I think R- Riviera came out and kind of he pretty much blasted his team, saying, "Look, that was a poor, poor performance." Yeah. But at four and three, like the Panthers, th- they need to, like to lose to the Bears like that. They must be seriously worried in that front office at the moment. 
Yeah, and it's it's not that long ago they were beating the Patriots. And, uh, you know, maybe the Patriots aren't the team they've been before, but I think you're right about McCaffrey. Like, I, I wrote at the start of the season, McCaffrey's going to be your new favourite player, and he's not been that yeah. at all. Like, he's averaging less than 20 yards on the ground. He's averaging less than 50 yards. Are they the giving air. him a chance on the ground, though? That's no, the they're question. using him as a decoy yeah. to free up yeah. other players, to free up the likes of Calvin Benjamin and Devin Funches. Um, but I don't know if that's the best use of his skills. Yeah. I really don't. It's... Uh, Predominantly kind of screen pass and yeah. stuff like that, and he's getting chewed up very quickly. Yeah. Now. And screen yeah. passes, I mean, they've they've been in vogue for the last five years in the NFL, and they're just terrific, especially on third down. Like, like I hate seeing offensive coordinators throwing throwing short to the sticks on third down. Like it makes no sense. Yeah, yeah. It's but I always find it's predominantly when they're just trying to eat up a couple of yards in order to give the punter a better yeah, posi- yeah, yeah. better possession chance for the kick back. It's well like as if they're giving up on the third down. Yeah, well, look, I, I look forward to the prediction. So when we come to both these teams, I suppose moving on, then we're on to the Vikings. So a team that have had a, a lot of uncertainty at quarterback this season, but seem to be managing it a lot better, Brian. Uh, yeah. And this was a great result from 24-16. And to be honest, 24-16 probably sounds like a reasonably close game. It wasn't really that close. Um, the, the Vikings always seemed in control. They, they ran the ball. The kicker uh, for Syke kicked for six, six field goals in the game. So it was more a case that they just weren't punching in the touchdowns. Time and time again, they were getting into the red zone. The Ravens' offense, again, we touched on it in another podcast, it's non-existent. It's their defense that's keeping them in the games, and it was the same last weekend, but you could tell from a very early stage, even towards halftime, when the Vikings gradually were getting on top of the game, that there was only going to be one winner in the Vikings. The Vikings looked very strong, and we couldn't touch on it, especially at home. I think the home record in particular will get them to the playoffs, and on the, on the back of Rodgers now being gone for the season, the Lions started to look again, the Lions that have all inconsistent. Yep. I think the Vikings have a really good chance this year to make... to even win the division and go a bit further. The biggest the thing the Vikings did this year was take Aaron Rodgers off the field. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the most important thing to happen in the NFC this season, and the Vikings did that. And uh, I do think as well, like uh, their Case Keenum. I mean, I didn't rate him as a quarterback at all, and I think he's until he gets to the red zone, he's a very efficient, good quarterback. But for me, it's the thought of Teddy Bridgewater coming back. Yeah. I mean, what a story that would be if he led his team to a home Super Bowl. You know, if he came back from that injury, some people thought he might never play again. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he comes back, and I suppose how the um, the Vikings will get him back into the game. Mm. I suppose that's the big thing. That how long will they? They're going to have to change their offense because yeah. their offense was completely different under Bridgewater than it is now. But you know, NFL teams should have plans B and C. I mean, yeah. that's because you're not you can't rely on having your quarterback for the whole. And season. we touched on that last week, and that's kind of the point we made last week around the fact that the Packers don't necessarily have a plan B without Rodgers, where. The Vikings have used three, well, we could say they've used three to, uh, quarterbacks in the past a year and a half, mm. Sam Bradford as well, but they put a lot of uh, good components around them in yeah. terms of Thielen and Diggs, the wide receiver, and McKinnon and Murray was coming from the Raiders, like two decent enough uh, running backs. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great result. They sit five and two. Um, I suppose moving on then to the Bucks against the Bills. This was a 30-27 win to the Bills, and I'm seriously calling this a hard knocks curse for the Bucks. They are just not having a great year. After all the hype that we saw throughout the season, I was on the bandwagon. I was shouting for Winston. I thought this was the year. And next thing, suddenly, just they're not turning up. Is there any light, I suppose, at the end of the tunnel for them, Steve? I don't think there is. I actually think that, and I think the Dolphins will end up paying for this in the future as well. It's missing that first week, yeah. I think. And not having the boy playing 16 weeks straight is just so hard to do. Um it's the defense. I mean, they were ranked thirty f- or twenty third last year in football outsiders defense or defensive DVOA. They're ranked thirty first this year, um, so far. And you know, they 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 gave away. They were up seven points with three minutes fourteen seconds to go, and it only took the Bills three plays and forty six seconds to go seventy five yards and score. I mean, that's terrible. And that's actually one of the notes I put about this game: the fact that after coming back from seventeen three down actually then get an opportunity to take the lead against the Bills who we've kind of touched on the defence being so good and teams aren't there's not many teams that will go into Bills stage and win to take the lead and to give up that lead so quickly it was just it was a killer for them and then yeah. obviously and the, and the, fumble. The, yeah. the fumble yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it was just a disappointing to watch this one and just see what Winston is doing this year I, I had him pegged as a leader I thought he would do a lot better but he just doesn't seem to be commanding his offense I've never been convinced by him yeah, yeah. You know, I suppose yeah. the Titans must be sitting there kind of delighted with themselves. Well, when you compare both quarterbacks, you know, Mariotis you know, has probably had that injury and he was probably playing with that injury last week against the Browns. I might explain why yeah, they well were so conservative and I think won the to game. To be fair to James, I think he was, I don't think that shoulder's 100%, but, you know, what are, what are your options? Yeah. You know, you have to play him. If he, if he thinks he's 90%, he has to play. Yeah, so. you have to play your franchise quarterback. Yeah, you just t- uh, touched on it there, Brian. We're moving on to the good old Browns sitting 0-7 still. 
12-9 loss to the Titans, and they'll just break your heart. I was roaring at the TV. I thought this was going to be the day. This is the day I was going to come in. They're my second team in this uh, NFL, and I was going to come in shouting for them, but they just threw it away. Like to to get to the overtime was brilliant, but they just couldn't keep up the momentum. Um, the D, the Browns D, I will say, was exceptional, exceptional. But again, it was another, uh, I suppose, um, roundabout on the QB side of things. They went with Kessler came in this time. Like, I'm sitting there just like just distraught watching it. I'm. I was watching it and I just I just don't understand. We we spoke about this last week. I just don't understand where they're going because it, they <sighs> took the Kaiser out. Looked like okay, they've made a decision. They realised it was too soon to put him in. Then they put him back in. Hogan, who was coming in as the backup for for the f- first few weeks, he was never even in consideration during no. the off season because Brock Osweiler was there in terms of the conversation about who's going to start. Then he's and then he's now gone down the pecking order. Kessler comes in. I just I don't <sighs> I don't see how there's a future for Hugh yeah, Jackson because yeah. they're not handling the quarterback yeah, situation. And that's well. it. H- Hugh Jack- I've seen so many former players saying it's the front office. Hugh Jackson is the problem. I mean, as a head coach, Hugh Jackson is. 2-0 and o on Christmas Eve, so perfect record on Christmas Eve, and 0-26 on and every other day of yeah. the year. Like so I you might I have a nice Christmas Eve. And I think Hugh Jackson's 1-22 since um, yeah. since he's come in, and uh, LeBron James was asked uh, how he would deal with it, and I think his response was somewhere along the lines of, well, I've never been 1-22 in, in my life in anything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Browns are struggling. But I suppose the big story of the weekend was the uh, Browns left tackle, Joe Thomas, uh, future Hall of Famer, um, went down with an injury, first time, and he's broken the consecutive snap streak, and the record now sits at 10,363. That could be the reason why Marks had to take the week off, because Marks seems to have a bit of a love in for this, this guy, you know? Oh, well, I think I, I think he's known as probably one of the most loyal NFL players yeah, out there. he just there. doesn't want to leave Cleveland. I no. mean, why, I think so I why would you want to be there in the first place? I don't know. But I think he's now a fr- he's got a vegetable patch and everything. He grows yeah. his own uh, stuff, but... Uh, yeah, it was, it was really upsetting to see him leave, and I, I, I don't think it's a record that will ever get beaten, to be honest. No, 11 years, I mean, it's just incredible. The, uh, the programme for this weekend's game at Twickenham has done a big spread in five or six pages, but obviously that's gone, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. still going to win. The curse of it's the too late, it's printed. But it and I suppose we'll, we'll touch on briefly on the Titans, as in it's a 12-9 victory, it's a win, that's all that matters for them, puts them at 4-3. and three. Like they need to improve. Like obviously, like y- during the season, you're going to have wins. There's going to be wins where you go, "Oh my god, that was a fantastic game." You look back at that at the end of the season, we get you in the playoffs, and then there's just going to be games where you go, "That was one week where we didn't play well, but the important thing is we came out with the W." And look, the Titans will go back to the drawing board this week and look at how they play. But ultimately, I think the problem is, and we kind of touched on last week. Mariota looked good in the fourth quarter last week, but it was very clear he wasn't right because for the first three quarters they were reliant on the run and Henry. Murray, and then obviously because the Colts were ahead, yeah. they had to start slinging it, slinging it around. Last weekend, they just seemed to have very conservative game plan. Is like just let's get the win and get out of here. And it, like a quarterback with a hamstring injury, like in all the years I've been following football and, and writing about it, I've never come across a quarterback with a hamstring injury. For all the athletic quarterbacks there is, so this is a to me, mm-hmm. it's a really strange injury, and it, it, you'd have to ask questions about strength and conditioning going on in in the in Tennessee. Yeah, um, especially considering the weapons that he has and, I suppose, what they're doing to that potential that they had for this year. Um, we're moving on into the Jags, uh, a team that none of us have been able to stick with each week, Brian. We need to m- decide now, are we a Jags fan or are we not a Jags fan? Because last week, I believe yourself and Mark went for the Colts. No, Mark didn't. He hates the Colts. Sorry, Mark's <laughs> Mark didn't. Uh, I went for the Jags, and but we've been unsure about them, but I think their D left us in no doubt how good they actually are when they perform. Well, I do like their D. I can't argue with that. Yeah. Ten sacks uh, on Sunday. Uh, Brissett was rushed for 20 times. If, they, if he's rushing for 20 times every every game, it's not going to be long before he's on IR with Luck as well. Mm. Uh, ten sacks, they're, they've got s- they're on averaging now at the moment at a run rate that they'll reach 78 for the season. 72 is an NFL season record. Yeah. So, like we touched on it when we did our, kind of pre- uh, our, pre- our season kind of preview and how strong the def- defence looks in terms of what they brought in in free agency. But again, they just need to get it right on the other side of the ball because Okay, they kind of got away with it last week. Fournette was out injured, and Ivory had a great game because the Colts are so poor. But without Fournette and the fact that Bart just continues game management, at some stage he's going to have to come out and start showing it properly. And that's, I think, when ultimately they'll become un- that's when they'll be undone. Yeah, yeah. I suppose uh, the day they say to Steve to um, Bortles here, go out there and play with a ball is the day that they'll regret it. I think absolutely. I mean, if 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 you go nine points up on the Jags, you've won the game. Yeah. They just can't yeah. come back. They don't have the ability. I I. In a in a very flippant tweet the other day, said that I would get a Blake Bortles tattoo on my face if they managed to to make the Super Bowl because uh, Voice Sports tipped them to uh, reach the Super Bowl based on their D. I I just think that's the issue. They will they will play a team in the. P- they I think they will make the playoffs. I think they will be the team to get out of that division. 
but I think they will come across a team that builds a lead early and there is just no way back because Blake Bortles has the worst throwing motion of any quarterback I've ever seen. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a good win for the Jags. Good to get them back the there. The only thing I would say about the playoffs, and I know we're going to weigh off the playoffs, but if they do make the playoffs on the basis they win the division, because it's not likely they're going to work here, mm. they at least get a home game. Yeah. And it's you know a strong crowd, which, again, we don't even know because that's a bit of an up-and-down crowd. It's half the reason why they're pushing for the whole Wembley stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. It, w- it look it puts them at four and three. The Colts at two and six. Um, no sign of Andrew Luck coming back. As in, he's been tipped every week to come back and not come back. I don't know where it sits at the moment. I I read an article yesterday on Instagram, another podcast where they said um, if, the, if they don't get themselves back in the divisional, you know, within fighting distance of winning the division, they'll quickly decide he's gone for the season. Yeah, and move on. Makes sense. Yeah. Trade trade out because there's a lot of quarterback hungry teams and yeah. there's a lot of quarterbacks coming out of college. So yeah, get a high pick, trade out. Yeah, potentially. Um, moving on then to the Saints and the Packers and the first game without the Messiah that is Aaron Rodgers playing for the Packers. 26-17 to the Saints. Um, I went with the Packers um, because I thought Hundley would do something in this game. Still a little bit too early for him based on this result. But Breeze wasn't amazing starting off. Two qu- um, first quarter interceptions. Uh, the Saints gave up quite a lot of penalties in this game as well. Um, but yeah, I think the Rodgers injury uh, has put the Packers in a situation where is Brett Hundley ready is the question, Steve. Yeah, well, we keep being told that he's he knows the system, but I mean, if you actually look at his figures, he's, he's, um, his quarterback rating for his two games was 39.6 and 39.9. If he'd have stood behind his centre and thrown the ball into, crowd and, uh, and into the crowd on every single pass, his, that's what his quarterback rating would have been. It's yeah. the equivalent of not making a single completion in a game. Yeah. Um, I just, there's so many bad quarterbacks. I don't understand why, and I, I don't want to bring up Kaepernick because that's a whole different discussion, but this is the perfect, <laughs> this is the perfect. Brian has been calling for for a long yeah, time. Like I mean, this this, like, there's, there's no way, whatever distraction, in inverted commas, that Colin Kaepernick brings is worse than having a rubbish quarterback. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about winning. It's about getting to the playoffs. That's what's important. And that's what I don't understand about this whole situation because, when when does losing become more important than than a political stance or seeing to be doing the right or wrong thing? I, I just don't get it. I I was delighted last week to see that he's taking the case against the NFL. But even months ago, we were having a conversation during preseason where RG3 was getting a tryout with the Chargers mm-hmm. ahead of Kaepernick. And I was just saying, it's clearly not football-related, the fact that he's, he's not getting an opportunity in the league. I spoke to someone in Seattle, and he said to me, nobody said it on the record, but they were really keen to bring him in, but at the end of the day, they didn't feel like they could have a quarterback as good as Kaepernick sitting behind Russell Wilson. That makes sense to me. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. A, a, that sort of football decision makes sense. Him not getting a game with, like the Miami Dolphins brought in a guy this week who has five attempted passes in his entire career. But yeah. even, even the, pra- even the Packers sense. last week, obviously they have to have a backup. They brought a guy from the practice squad mm. who has no NFL experience. Yeah. I suppose my argument for the Packers is that, again, f- they have a front office that believes firmly in bringing players through that they've drafted, etc., and that's the way they've always been. That's the mentality of the Packers. So even though they've lost Aaron Rodgers, which is a position they probably, they will have planned for to an extent, but not hoped for, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's happened. Like, do they need out? Does that mean they throw everything out the window and say, okay, well, now we've got to go get a quarterback yeah. and rather than trusting Hundley or do they stick with what they've done for years and but trust wh- the what system? What they've done for years, I mean, how many NFC titles have they won? Yeah. How many Super Bowls have they won? It, this, you know, it's like the Ravens. The Ravens keep getting praised for how good their draft picks are. Well, where's your, where's wh- your, where's your rings? Yeah, yeah. Where, where's your playoff appearances? It just doesn't happen. Like, I just think people get caught in the narrative of, yeah, it's great to develop players. I absolutely agree with it. But at the end of the day, you know, for some of those players, this might be their last season. It certainly might be their last season in Green Bay. So make yeah, the most of it while you can. It's, a, it's an aging Packers team at this stage. Well, I've been beating the drum for weeks, and here and other other places, people think I'm mad. I don't think the Packers actually have a very good team. No, they've got some very good players, but collaboratively putting it all together, like they don't have a running back. They as Montgomery was brought in as the kind of, you know, at the towards the back end of last season as the kind of get out of jail card in a sense, and they said, okay, he had a good four or five games, so now he's our new running back. But gradually, as the season's already started, you can see he's not a running back. Yeah. And then, Jordy Nelson is continuously banged up. Mm. It's only He's only one or two bangs away from being gone for the season. Devontae Adams looks like he's a real player, and it's got some good players on defense. But we touched on last week, if they wanted to go out and trade for a quarterback, what are people going to ask for? Yeah. There's not a lot there that they would take. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- They're not in a good power position at the moment, the Packers. Rodgers has always been the man, sorry, that has literally 
it's all I'm Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and look, look, if if you have the best player in football, of course you're going to build your team around him. But there has to be a backup plan. There always has to be a plan B. Yeah, and you, and you would consider the the way Rodgers came into the Packers that the Packers would be thinking like that. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate they doesn't look like Hunley is going to probably get the the time he needs because I think the Packers are going to have to make a decision fairly soon. Just another point on this game, just to flip the coin over to the Saints. Their defense in the first two games was really bad. I mean we. You know, we gave out the fourth game in Minnesota. It looked terrible. Then the Patriots, you could argue the Patriots are obviously going to put up high points. But since those two games, they've had 10 interceptions on defense. They com- look completely re-energized on defense. They have a real opportunity now in this division. They have the Bears this weekend. They could go 5-2. and two. Yeah. The Falcons look a bit up and down. They have a good chance this year in that division. Well, they started slow. Um, mm. And I think w- I, I backed them the week before last. And, yeah, they're starting to come on sing. I think Drew Brees is doing what he does. He's leading a team. And that is there is talent there. I yeah. think there's no doubt on that. They're it using the run game very well. As I said, they're so reliant on Brees for years. Now they've got Ingram. Kamara was a very good Kamara was pi- very good. good um, and draft. I think, just going back to their D very quickly, I think, you know, the last four seasons, they've ranked 31st to 32nd on D. Dennis Allen probably should have lost his job this summer, has held it, and he's actually turned it around. I mean, they're ranking top 10 as far as I know in DVOA at the moment. Yeah. No, all right, moving on then, and to a game that I got so wrong. Um, <laughs> so, so wrong. The Cardinals against the Rams in Twickenham, and I think the Rams fans are definitely saying in McVeigh we trust at this stage. 33-0 to the Rams. Um, yeah, this was just a great game, Brian, and the Rams are now sitting 5-2. and two. A great game for who? Not for the neutral. No. Um, for the fortunate UK fans going to these games, they're not really getting much luck. 97-7 is the cumulative yeah. score, and Ryan Mallet was the yeah. person who scored the 7. <laughs> Bizarre, but the Cardinals, again... I've no faith in the Cardinals whatsoever. They won last week against the Bucks, but the Bucks didn't show up. And even then, even then, towards the back end of the game, the Bucks nearly came back. Um, Palmer's gone for the for the foreseeable. He's broken term. I'm not surprised because he's been banged up so much this season. There's no well offense. They've been, been held together with tape at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. And now they're going to bring in uh, Stanton, is it? Stanton, who uh, seems like he's the backup quarterback since like 1985. Yeah. <laughs> it just yeah, feels like he's there Br- forever. Bruce Arians has a love affair with Stanton, yeah. isn't it? Um, so he's he must uh, be the only one because I don't see why he's he's, uh, he's followed Arians from... Uh, he's been on other teams with Arians, hasn't uh, he? I think he was with the Colts when Colts Arians well. was with the Colts as yeah. well. Yeah. I would say I think m- I don't know if um, if they will and it probably won't happen. But I think the Cardinals should do the right thing and trade Larry Fitz to a contender. Do you really think so? Yeah. Give, give, I think give he, deser- that he deserves but he deserves a chance. But would Larry Fitz do it? Would Larry Fitz would. take it? Do you I think, think so? Ta- I think. Uh, do you know what? I hate to say it, but I can absolutely see him on the Patriots. <laughs> Thank God Mark Cockrell isn't here. When is the trade deadline? It's not far. Next week. Next week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's been there for so long. He's been giving he's given great years. He's only been to one Super Bowl. He's the kind of player in the NFL that you see these guys come at the very end of his career to win a yeah. Super Bowl. He's the kind of player that deserves him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's an interesting one. It's de- and again, if it happens, it's a good call. I like I'd, so I'd hate to see it happen because yeah. the Patriots, you know, they've won enough. Le- you know, leave it for the rest of us. Thank but you. Uh, but yeah. it's we've, exactly we've, been har- we've been harping on that yeah. for the last yeah. few weeks. It's exactly the sort of move that Bill Belichick Maybe we make. should trade Mercury. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just get, get rid of a Patriots fan, make it a more even playing field here in the podcast. Yeah, so I think, look, the Rams in Goff, I, I, again, we've been big fans of Goff this season because of the way McVeigh is playing him. Uh, Todd Gurley as well, a resurgence mm. uh, running back. Uh, definitely in the top five running backs in the league at the moment. Yeah. And just performance-wise, he seems to have a new lease of life, which is really, really good to see with him in, in L.A. Uh, because I think last year he had a seriously down year. It makes you wonder how bad a coach Jeff Fisher was. I think the Titans and everyone else will be asking that question as well for last yeah. time because he didn't come across well when the Hard Knocks series was on and he just looked like a dinosaur. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know, like, I mean, McVeigh's, like, how much can he have turned the team around and molded it into his shape in such a short period of time? So His interview on Sky for the game was really good. He put a lot, he put a lot of praise, and we touched on it in another podcast, from the fact that he got Wade Phillips in on defence. So yeah. he knew there was a very good defence there. It was just a case of getting the nucleus right and getting the right man to put it all together. Well, we said on, on one of the, the wins they had recently where um, McVeigh congratulated the team and then gave it to Wade Phillips to break down. Yeah. Because, again, he understands what these people bring to this team. And Wade Phillips is a man that, again, most people can say, how would you work with for a 33-year-old head yeah. coach? But McVeigh doesn't come across like that. No. He he's found a way to run this team, and he's also very lucky. I think he's lucky that he has a young quarterback that he can mold and manage himself, and also same at running back. So you got two key positions that you can really manage. But uh, look that, that was the win in Dallas, and he, he would have I suppose that was touched it. on the fact he knew that that would have been uh, you know as much as Phillips wouldn't say it, he would have loved the fact he's gone back because they got rid of him there. Of course, yep. and Jones came out after the game saying, "Oh, what a fantastic job by." Wade Phillips, well, you got rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, that leaves the Rams at five and two, and it's um, 
again, I think he said after that that Dallas game after three games they were uh, three and zero. I think at that stage, so you know they're on five and two. They're going into the next few games with serious, serious um, motivation to potentially get another couple of wins. Uh, yeah, I'm delighted for McVay. Um, I think it'll come down to the game in Seattle. In Seattle, they, yeah. they've had Seattle's number for quite some time over the past years. They've always kind of manned up very well in those games. Seattle beat them recently. It'll come down to that game in the division. Uh, when they go into Seattle. Yeah, well, look, moving on then to another team sitting at 0-7, the 49ers, although 0-7 not in the same bracket as the Browns, um, a lot more positives coming out of the 49ers, just not for this game. Um, yeah, you trade Navarro Bowman and you lose your first game by more than three points from since the opening weekend of the season. I don't know whether actually those two things were related, but actually I should have pointed out in the Raiders game that Navarro Bowman was exceptional for a player who had only learned the playbook for three days. He was actually the one bringing the plays into the game to tell the other defenders, yeah. which shows you how young the Raiders players are. Uh, the 49ers, it's, there's a reason that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan got a six-year contract. This is a long, long rebuild. They have yep. a lot of work to do. We, we've been saying that now ourselves here, and, and yeah. we are big fans of what they're doing. Yeah, there. I think it, I think it'll be fine. Um, I just think this was this is probably the way it's going to be for the rest of the season for the 49ers. Eventually, you get to the losses that why should I put my body on the line? I can just wait yeah. till next season. Yeah. I think I think it's just good to see that prior to this game they were competitive, um, and they were putting in performances, which yeah. for a year one coach. Um, is what you want, yeah. uh, and a year one, sorry, um, GM as well. Uh, yeah, but forty ten, not really much else to say on that one, is there? Well, it's on Dallas side. I've just watched a number of different programs this week, and the hype is back. Dallas are back. You know, they look fantastic again. The three wins this season have come against my beloved Giants. Okay, yep. so we can't really read too much into that now. Last weekend's game, I wouldn't read too much into that, and the Cardinals. But yet, all of a sudden, they're back. They're going to win the next four or five games. So I just yeah, I think it's it's four and seventeen or something the combined record of yeah. the teams they've beaten. I wouldn't be yeah, overly would be really enamoured. Yeah, they have a very tough game this weekend against the Redskins. Let's see how they go there. Yeah, th well that that'll be the deciding force. If they can get a result against the Redskins, then you can start talking about them actually res um, reviving their their season. We're moving on then to a team that Brian, you have um, been telling us all the the truth behind them, and nobody's been listening. The Broncos against the Chargers, um, twenty one nil to the Chargers. Uh, yeah, take this one away. Well, the three wins for the Broncos this season, um, they've always kind of been so far ahead in points, boys, and that's the way they play their game. Their defense wins games. And they won the first week against San Diego. San Diego came back a bit, but they were so far ahead. The Raiders game was 16-10 and looked a lot closer than it was because mm. the Raiders only kind of got their act together yeah. in the fourth quarter. And their other win against, sorry, against Dallas at home, where they were well and truly over the line by halftime. But then there's games where once they go down by two scores, Offensively, they can't do it. Simeon isn't good enough to be a quarterback there, in my opinion. They've got some good players at wide receiver, but they're just not getting them the ball. They can't play from behind. As I said last week, I gave you the theory on why the Giants would beat them because the Giants put them in a position that they have to come back against the Giants. Like the one thing about the Giants' defense is playing reasonably well. Unfortunately, the offense is in a bad place. And uh, the Broncos, they are what I expect them to be now. They're middle of the road and I don't see them making the playoffs. It's funny, the Broncos, I, I, the way they started, the Broncos kind of, I think, fooled a lot of people yeah. because they started quite well last year as well and we eventually saw the limitations they have on offense compared to how good that D is. I At the start of the season, I had three teams coming out of the AFC West and the Denver Broncos was not one of them. Yeah. And that's kind of how it's falling into place maybe now. Maybe three teams won't get out, maybe it'll be just the two. But I think that, like, I mean, if Trevor Simeon isn't playing, your options are Brock Osweiler or Paxton Lynch. Neither that's which not th neither is which is you know is is a, is anywhere you want to be. If if that's your options, I mean you're in in yeah, serious trouble. Brings you back to the cap conversation. Like there was at one stage a year or two ago, the opportunity for cap to go to Denver. He he would bring that offense on in my opinion. Yeah, I think he would. And uh, y you know uh, they they've they've gone away from the run, which was working really well. For, like uh, to me, the Dallas win was really good. That was the only impressive yeah. performance they put in the season. The Raiders game was a horrible game to watch. Um, and and to be fair to the Chargers, I mean the the special teams, the the D, it all stood up like they've got a good nucleus of a team there. I still think it might be a season too early for the Chargers. Yeah. Um. And unfortunately for them, next season is probably going to be a season too late for Philip Rivers. Well, so that, well, but that's going to be my my, kinda my next question on that is so the Chargers again next year probably be too late for Philip Rivers, but they're stacking up a couple of wins here. So what's the replacement plan for Philip Rivers? There is none. And that's the problem with teams that have elite quarterbacks for more than a decade. What's the replacement plan for the Giants for Eli Manning when yeah. there should have been one in place for two years? Yeah. I mean, he's shown signs of, of decline for two years. Quarterbacks tend not to slow down. They tend to fall off a cliff. Um, I thought it was happening with Ben Roethlisberger this year. It hasn't quite, 
but it's definitely coming and it's coming for all these 2004 yeah. quarterbacks the only one where it's slowed down and I think it's worked was the Peyton Manning situation and going to Denver they knew they had a really good defense and they got an opportunity to win the Super Bowl. They just needed a quarterback. And it's no different the way they are now. They just need a quarterback that can come in steady ship and manage the game properly, mm. efficiently enough to put them in a position where let's, let's deep rely on the defense to win the game. And I know I slagged off Broncos right a few minutes ago, but actually the best thing that happened to Broncos that season was Manning getting that rest yeah. for a few weeks because it was so important for him for that playoff run. Yeah. And all he had to do was just be half the player we know he can be. And that was enough. The same, it's going back to the Jags. If the Jags had any sort of competent quarterback play, they'd be re a realistic Super Bowl threat. So. Competent quarterback, that's, that's the line for the Jags this year. You touched on uh, my man, Big Ben in the Steelers, although we won't say he's aging just yet because I'm in great form this week, guys. Um, we had another win, 29-14 uh, against the Bengals. And we're sitting 5-2, and two, uh, and they're surging. They're firing all cylinders at the moment. Big Ben, 224 yards, two touchdowns. Bell, 192 yards. Uh, and we're sitting 5-2 and two on top of the AFC um, with the Chiefs and the Pats. I'm not going to lie. There's a, a couple of fixtures ahead, and I kind of said this earlier on. I think we've got a good few weeks against the Lions, the Colts, the Titans, Packers, Bengals, and Ravens. Could be 11-2, and two, you know? It gets dangerous when you start looking two or three weeks ahead. Well, when you it, it comes, it when, you look at that, when you look at that schedule, you get a little excited. You know, we could be here excited. next week after you get beaten by the Lions and you'll be crying in, into the table again. Yeah, I looked at the Raiders' schedule and saw us nine and zero. Oh, so <laughs> I, w I, w I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be after we started two and zero. Oh, I should say, uh, and that's the first time I've called them we since I was about twelve. <laughs> so I apologise for that. Uh, anyway, we say we here. All the yeah, time. <laughs> I, I would just say like the. I don't think the Steelers' D has been getting enough credit. I think it's been phenomenal. It's the way they choked the Bengals in the second half of that game was just... I really thought the Bengals were going to come back and win that game. Uh, you know, I thought they'd get everything together at halftime, but the D was just really, really good. And it's funny, we've had this really exciting season where literally for the first time I can remember, like the phrase, any given Sunday comes true, teams are beating all sorts of teams. That's very true, actually. Yeah. And yet we're going to end up with an AFC Championship game between <laughs> the Steelers and the Patriots and wonder how did we get here. Yeah. And that's what I said last week. We were kind of discussing where where you go in the NFC, and we could have been here all day having that conversation. But the one thing I did say was, it's very clear on the AFC. It's either Chiefs, Patriots, or Steelers. Yeah, I just don't see anything outside of those three. Mm. Yeah, I think out of those upcoming games, I I rattled off. I, Eleven and two. I am very optimistic. I won't lie. But the Lions is probably the one there that kind of worries me the most, just because it could turn into a shootout. Um, in, uh, with the Lions, but if you look at the permutations, it's funny because. You have to sort of still have to play the Patriots at home. Yeah. And so sorry, all so all of those games are just before we face the Patriots. Sorry, is what I meant to say as well. And it could come down to the fact that the Chiefs won in New England, mm. but the Chiefs won in, in Kansas City, and who wins that game between the yeah. the yeah. one in Heinz Field between the Steelers and the Patriots? And the home field advantage is going to be so crucial this yeah. year, especially I think. Yeah. If the Pages have to go on the road, and I actually said it when we did our season prediction, I said, and I actually obviously I went with the Raiders to get to the Super Bowl. But I had the Patriots going in to either Heinz Field during the playoffs or if they were to go beyond that into into Oakland. Yeah. And that's where I think the undoing will come for the Patriots. If they don't get the home field advantage, they won't go to Super Bowl. That's, uh, look, Mark Cockrell, I think, will agree with you on that. Cause again, a heart attack he, yeah, well, he backed, he, he backed against his, uh, his team last week. But before we move on, I do want to touch on the Bengals 2-4. and four. Like We thought there was a bit of a resurgence um, with the sacking of their uh, offensive coordinator. So it was going to be a tough game. I wouldn't read too much into the fact that they, nope. they, they played the Colts at home this weekend. I'd, I'd expect a rebound from yeah, them. Yeah, if, if, if ever there was a game to get you healthy again, it's the Colts. Yeah. So. Yeah. All faith in Andy Dalton, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no longer the most famous ginger quarterback in the league. So, you know, he's got that to kind of fight back against this the rest that of the is, season. That is very true. That is very, very true. We're moving on. Poor Brian. Poor, poor Brian. One and six, Brian. 24-7 to the Seahawks. Um, I do believe... I went for the Seahawks in this game. Uh, I think yourself and Mark both picked. No, we did. We Mar Mark picked the Seahawks. Did you pick the Seahawks? We said this was going to be a, all about who was the who had the leakiest offensive line. I think the result actually flatters the Seahawks in the way. Twenty four seven seems like a very comfortable game. They only pulled away from the Giants in the fourth quarter. I mean, the first half defense was was fantastic. There was eleven plays in a row, goal line stand like eleven plays, and, and to stop a team from going in and scoring a touchdown. They looked like they were parked down there for yeah. ten minutes. We held them, and then on the next drive, because the Giants couldn't move, when the Seahawks got the ball back, there was a great fumble, and the Giants recover, and they run it down, and then from the very first play thereafter, they scored. It was 7-0 for quite a long time. At halftime, it was only 7-3, and even late in the third quarter, where there was a very dubious touchdown, the long throw, which you I don't know if you've seen this one, but it was very much 
Collins felt he had it. They yeah. sided with the wide receivers because it's this rule where if the ball is in unison between two players, you go to the advantage of the wide receiver. Having looked at a number of replays, I just don't understand how they could call that. Yeah, to me, it was it's one of those situations where you think you just run the play over again because yeah. there's no way to, of actually taking a decision as to yeah. who handled the ball. I do think about Seahawks, though. I, I think it's the same every year. They are a slow-starting team. Yeah. They, they don't really care about September and early October. And they don't really care about the first half of games. They like to use their conditioning. They like to use their physicality to finish games strongly. I think they showed against the Colts a few weeks ago as well. That, yeah, that was game was close at halftime, and then they pulled away. I think we'll see quite a bit of that going forward from the Seahawks. I suppose you mentioned earlier on you have contacts in, uh, in Seattle. There were rumours, quite rumours at the start, is when kind of it looked like the Seahawks weren't going to have the greatest season ever, that um, there might be a QB change there at some stage. Have you heard anything on that? Or No, I think Russell Wilson is, is going to get paid quite handsomely the next time his contract comes up and he'll be a Seattle lifer, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're moving on then to um, the Patriots against the Falcons, the Super Bowl rematch, which didn't live up to expectations. Uh, and our resident Patriots fan, who was not here with us today, Mark Cockrell, who was away on holiday, sunning himself somewhere nice, bet against his own team. I suppose in the words of Dave Damashek, shame on you, Mark, shame on you. I think um, that was a strategy to get the Patriots a win. Well, he's come out with a text there to me today saying he, he said it, he, he worked with the Patriots on this, he wanted to bet against them because that's how popular our podcast is. But look, 23-7 and the Patriots done it and they're 5-2. and two. But it's, It seems a lot, you know, like the game seems like it was a very handy game for the Patriots, but the fact that the three red zone drives two of which field goals were very handy looking field goals both missed one hits the post one's blocked then they, they're at a stage in the game where they have to go for a touchdown they went for it on fourth down didn't make it so there was opportunities as much as the Falcons haven't played well offensively and people are raving this week but the fact that Pages seem to be turning around on defence the Falcons had their opportunities they, j- they had some very long drives that just they didn't, they didn't put uh, scores in yeah, I, I think the concerns I had about Steve Sarkeesian coming in as yeah. offensive coordinator have really come to the fore this season so far like you know, there's a huge difference. I mean, uh, people might not care. Most people watching Red Zone on a Sunday probably don't care. But there's a huge difference between running a power offense and running a zone offense. The blocking is different. The schemes are different. So many things are different. And Sarkeesian has only coached one game before this in like two years. I mean, all of these things changed. The biggest thing I, f- I saw was 538 did a, a, an analysis of Julio Jones because he's been non-existent really yep. this year. So... He's targeted on 32.8% of passes when the Falcons are at least 8 yards from the red zone. But he's only targeted on 16.7% when they're in the red zone. Like, surely they should be targeting more in the red zone. He's the one of the best receivers to ever play the game, never mind on their, you know, in the league this season. So, so again, does that come down to the offensive coordinator? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. They're, not, they're not given the play call. They're not scheme Like, last week against the Chiefs, the Raiders schemed. Amari Cooper open against double coverage. The whole offense was designed to get Amari Cooper open because they knew that the Chiefs would be focusing on Michael Crabtree. But should should Dan Quinn and maybe not that, but Matt Ryan be coming and kind of saying, why why are we only doing this? Why are we only targeting Julio Jones on sixteen percent of plays in the red zone when, like you say, he is the best wide receiver in the well game? They probably feel with the double coverage that they can. Used after their advance in terms of getting Sanu and Gabriel. And yeah, like and that. but they're not doing that either. I mean, they're obviously but scoring but a, a lot less of a rate than that. They threw to Jones in the red zone against um, Butler. Mm. And he was pretty much nearly double coverage at that stage as well. And he ripped the ball out of Butler's hands. Yeah, like because he can do that. He's, he is th- the he's best that kind of player. It's, it's like Antonio Brown. Unless there's three players around Antonio yeah. Brown, you throw the ball at him. And I'd have the same opinion about AJ Green and the same opinion about Beckham and Jones. Yeah, it's, it, it's a strange one for the Falcons. And I think. We talked about the whole second season syndrome here and it affecting the Falcons, but it seems to really, really affect them. The run game doesn't seem to be yeah. contributing as much as it was last year. Yeah. Uh, Coleman, uh, uh, f- um, Freeman gets a lot of the credit, but Coleman was one of these players last year. He was dying breed. You don't see much of him, and he was very good on terms. We discussed screen pass and stuff mm. like that. It's just, not, it's just not happening this year. No, there's a regression to the mean as well. I mean, they were an historically good offense last year. Something had to change. Yeah. So and I think the best thing to come out of this game was the the overhead camera angle that they had to put in because of the fog. Yeah. I thought I was watching him in Madden. Yeah, but you got to feel like what the quarterback sees, yeah. and you really got to read of defenses and stuff like that. I thought it was yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, look, the Patriots are now sitting five and two. Mark is sitting on a beach somewhere, uh, sunning himself with a nice smile on his face. And uh, there's an image for our fans to think about now for the next week. Um, moving on to Monday night's game, and we had the Redskins against the Eagles. Eagles winning this one, becoming 6-1. and one. It was a 34-24 game, and they're sitting atop of the NFC. Um, they have a quarterback in the making, an all-star franchise quarterback, 
Houdini as well. One of the best plays I've seen in I don't know how long. But Brian, like... Which Car- one, though? Was it the Houdini where he threw for the touchdown or Houdini where he ran the first down? Because both of them were just as good. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm taking the one where he ran for the first down and came out of that pocket. The touchdown one in particular, he looked like he was completely... In, a, in an area where you couldn't even get your arm out to even show the ball and the fact that he even threw it to not only that to get it out mm. but he was so precise in the pass he got it to the back of the end zone where it was a case if, I don't, if he doesn't catch it it's not going to be an interception yeah. Doug Peterson did um, a piece with Peter King on his podcast about it discussing it after the game and he was saying like, you didn't expect it you thought that was the pocket collapse that's him and next thing out of nowhere Wentz comes out of it and you can see one of his offensive line as well trying to drag him out of it in the end mm. It was just a great play, and is there anything Wentz can't do, I suppose, is the question. I think he benefited from having such a good offensive line last year that he didn't get battered. It's the it's the Derek Carr approach. If if you protect a young quarterback in their first season, they will really develop in their second season. I, I, you know, I don't often get things right, but I wrote about uh, Carson Wentz last September, and I said, look, this guy, from what I've seen in the throws he can make, has the potential to be a superstar. He needs two things. He needs time in the pocket and he needs to learn NFL defenses because he wasn't reading them quite as well as he he could be. But he's starting to show it now. I mean, if you're showing... We we really need to be more patient with rookie quarterbacks. I mean, like how many people got on Goff's back last year? I'm not saying Goff's going to set the world. I think he's a step behind uh, Wentz. But, like, I mean, if you'd listen to most of the pundits, those, neither of those guys might be starting this year. They might have gone for old, brought in veterans and let them sit, sit for a year. And I don't even think the Rams would have wanted to play golf last year. Yeah. You know, they could have brought him in around week 12 when the season was over, but they were going to force him to that. Yeah, stage. that's true. Yeah. yeah, no, look, I think um, Philadelphia are in really good hands with Carson Wentz. On um, the Redskins side, I mean, I kind of start feeling sorry for Cousins. He's thrown another, you know, his stats last f- on Monday night were very good. Yeah. He threw for three touchdowns. He's thrown for high numbers every week, but yet they just can't seem to get I it done. I wouldn't feel too sorry. Well, for I was just yeah. about to say, I think yeah. when he checks his bank balance the next yeah. day, he'll, he'll feel alright. Well, when he checks, signs that contract well, there was in San Francisco. There was, next, a, great next th- there was a great sound FX on uh, the NFL YouTube of when um, Kirk Cousins decided to run for a first down and decided to go shoulder first. I saw that, yeah. And he came off in his offensive lineman and said, what are you doing? That's a $200 million uh, shoulder there. And it was just uh, like, and there's an interview actually of him um, on Sports Illustrated talking about it, but like he's backing himself. He's going to make an absolute killing no matter what. Yeah, he's going to be the 49ers quarterback next season. I think that's, we all all kind of expect that. We we kind of predicted that one. Well, look guys, that was a good review of all of last week's games. I suppose moving on to week eight, um, we have some really, really good showdowns. So I'm going to run through them. We're going to pick our results. I'll start with you, Steve. We're looking at Miami Dolphins against the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I'm just looking at here now. There's still no word on on, on uh, whether uh, Jay Cutler will play in that game or not. I think you have to give it to the Ravens probably on the week. I know they have uh, this could be this could be six three. Yeah, I agree. I'm gonna I'm gonna select the Ravens as well. Um, the Ravens, albeit they've been up and down, they're reasonably good at home and the quarterback uh, situation in Miami whether it's Moore or Cutler doesn't make for a good week for them especially coming off a short week so Ravens at home yeah yeah, I l- I'm backing Moore and um, his positivity and energy that he brought to last week's results so uh, and I just I haven't been on the Ravens this year I, uh, they're just they're not an enjoyable team to watch oh no they're horrible they're just watch, yeah. awful awful game every year um, every week moving on then to the Vikings visiting the Browns so this is another Twickenham game on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. So at least you know your misery will be starting from half one on Sunday afternoon. At least I know they don't have to watch it at this stage because th- I think the result is fairly set in stone for this one. The yeah. only way I see them win is the fact that the game is in Twickenham and it's no longer, um, you, know, you don't know how the uh, travelling will affect Minnesota, but on the basis they arrive in good time and there their are game plans in place. Vikings should win the game. Yeah, I would say so too. Yeah, yeah. I can't see any of the results. No, I can't see any of them on this one. We're then got the Falcons against the Jets. It's a tough one to call. A couple of weeks ago, if you were looking at this game, you would have thought this is a definitely a Falcons win. It's I'm going to go with the Falcons. I think the Falcons, if you look at it, they're just a better team. And at some stage, you just have to put a performance in on the basis last week's game being so tough on them. I think they'll win on Sunday. Steve? Yeah, I don't know. I think the Jets are going to come out with this. I think the, the, the Falcons have shown they've struggled against the AFC East this season, so I, I think the Jets are going to pull off a bit of a surprise. Yeah, and uh, I think if Todd Bowles, I'm, uh, I'm on the same boat, I think if Todd Bowles gets another win, that's his contract secured and his future secured in New York, so yeah, I'm backing the Jets for this game. Uh, we then have Panthers against the Bucks. Two like I, you I, think I think you could just roll the dice in this one. Ten of two inconsistent teams. Yep. You really don't know what to expect. I'm going to lean towards the Bucks. 
and I'm just the fact that at home they usually play reasonably well at home against the Panthers. Um, Cam is just so up and down; you just don't know what to do. I can't, I can't trust the Panthers. So yeah, it's not, it's that, not that I can trust the books much more, but I'm going to lean towards the books. The books won both of last season's games, but the Panthers won the previous six. So I think. On the law of averages, the Panthers are probably going to win. But yeah, it is an absolute toss-up because I don't know what the Panthers are. I, on O, on D, like, is Keighley back for this game? That's going to make a massive difference because yeah. the, the the Panthers gave up, I think, without without Keighley, they gave up the most amount of touchdowns to tight ends. And OJ Howard obviously had a big game for the Bucks last week. So, Yeah, I'm going to go with the Panthers in this one. I just think after the embarrassment that was last week, it just they need a performance and I think this could be the one that bring it out. Um, and then against the team, Bears against the Saints. Um, th- again, like the Saints are on a run. The Bears are on a bit of a run. Uh, how do you see this one going, Brian? Saints are very strong at home. Yeah, they're in the dome. There's, uh, Steve touched on the Bears are good at home. They're very strong at home, and they seem to be pulling out results. But I don't know they beat the Ravens away. But I think this is big, too big an ask. I think the Saints at home will win. Yeah, you're not going to beat the Saints only throwing four times. Yeah, that is very true. Trubisky needs to be playing a lot more um, throwing a passing football. But yeah, and I think... Uh, Breeze in the Dome is just uh, unbeatable at the moment. Um, the Colts visiting the Bengals. Brian? Well, I touched on it earlier that albeit the Bengals lost to the Steelers last weekend. If it's a tough divisional game. I'd expect them to respond well and win this game. They're at home. <coughs> Colts are very poor, so Bengals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Jacoby Brissett is, I think, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, and it's just a shame he's got nothing around him in Indianapolis. But yeah, I think the Bengals. I can't see how they how they lose this game. No, I think um, Dalton is that quarterback that is set as the average quarterback a team needs, and I think he's ahead of Brissett still. Mm. And then also when you've got AJ Green on your team, I think it sets you apart. Mm. So yeah, no, I think this will be a, an easy enough win for the Bengals. Um, we then have the Chargers uh, visiting the New England Patriots. Um, Mark isn't here this week. I'm going to make the pick for Mark and say that he's going to go with the Patriots he on this. He sent me his picks. Did he? And then what did he go for this one? Well, should yeah, I even say no, it? No, I thought so. So the Patriots for this one from Mark. What about yourself, Brian? Going to go with the Chargers. Okay, you're going to yeah. have to explain that one for us. Well, the Patriots won last week at home, but they haven't been convincing at home prior to that game. They lost against the Chiefs. They should have lost against the Texans. And then they lost against the Panthers. So... Not convinced by them at home. Chargers are on a run of three games in a row, and uh, arguably they should be five and two because they lost some tough games at the start of the season. Now I'm going to roll the dice and stick with Rivers to give us a shock. Okay. What about yourself? I do? think the Patriots are figuring out how to use Brandon Cooks, and I think that's going to be really important in this game because yeah. the one area the Chargers I'm not convinced about is their secondary. Yeah. And I think that could be with going up against Gronk, going up against Cooks. Yeah, that's going to be a tough ask. Yeah, I, I bet against the Pats last week, and I think it'll be the last time I'll do it for a while until they come up against ourselves. So, uh, yeah, I'll be going with the Patriots I'll, I'll in this game. I'll be the lone wolf. So. You can be the lone wolf for this one. Um, we're moving on then, and we are looking at the Oakland Raiders uh, visiting the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Steve, I'll kick off this one with you, your this team. I feel like the Raiders kind of had to... They, they can't they can't lose again until the middle of November. I think just it's that AFC is so tight. I think every game is a playoff game for them. I think the playbook is starting to open up. I I was so close to tweeting before the the Chiefs game that I've a suspicion that we're only we've only seen about twenty five percent of the Raiders playbook on offense this season. I think they've been very conservative. A because Carr was coming back from broken leg, and then he obviously fractured the three discs in his back. So uh, to me, I think we're going to see a different Raiders going forward than we've seen, and they're they're going to win this game. Okay, I'm going to follow suit with you and go with the Raiders. Brian, what about yourself? I'm going to stick with the Bills at home. I'm on their defense all season. You are. I, I, you, to be fair, Brian, when you pick a side, you stick with them, don't you? And I picked them in games where no one expected them to win, and they won. Um, I, I do agree. I mean, I, I do agree in the sense that you, we should see the Raiders progress better in terms of offensively, but it's a tough ask to go into Buffalo. They just seem to be defensively very shrewd at home, and it's their home form that's got them to where they are, so I'm going to stick with the Bills. Yeah, and uh, I, I think the next one is a fairly quick one. Um, 49ers visiting the Eagles. I think this is a 7-1 Eagles win, done and dusted. All agree? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's much even to say about this game, unfortunately. It's more about how many points they put up and can we yeah. bet on the handicap? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we then have the Texans visiting the Seahawks. Um, so a defense that is doing well for the Texans this year. Um, who, who are you going with in this one, Ryan? It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Texans look really good. Watson particularly looks really good. And their offense is putting up some huge numbers. Just for some reason, I just see, think Seattle will 
grind this one out. Similar again to a couple of weeks ago when they went to the Rams and used all thought the Rams would win. I just had an, an inkling that Seattle, they're just very good at when they need to, to win particular boys. games. Yeah. That game, Sunday, I think they'll just edge you. Yeah, I think, again, this could be another really low-scoring affair. I think if if the Texans had either Whitney Meshless or J.J. Watt in this game, they win it because of how bad that Seattle offensive line is. But without both, yeah, I know Clowney is still there, but I think that's not enough. I think you can double-team them, you can take that away. And, yeah, I think the Seahawks will win. Yeah, the more and more I see Clowney, I feel the, the Texans reached for him in that draft because he just doesn't seem to be you know, coming to the full potential that he was drafted as. Now I know he had the injuries and everything, but yeah, he lets me down. I think by himself, he just isn't that influential. Yeah, it's a, a, I hate to say it, but it's a little bit like Khalil Mack this season for the Raiders. I mean, he's not stepped up to yeah. that very, very elite level. Like He was right there with Von Miller uh, and those elite edge rushers. And I thought he was going to take a step on this season. He hasn't. And Clowney's a little bit the same. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I'm going to go with the Seahawks on this one as well. Um, I do think their offensive line is going to worry them throughout this game. Um, so I think that will be the big one. that will depend on how, how high-scoring a game this is. But no, I'm going to go with the Seahawks on this. We then have the Dallas Cowboys coming off their, their victory and you know the highs that they're on after the three amazing wins, Brian, that you've touched on. And they're visiting the Redskins. Yeah, I said I'm not convinced by the Cowboys. Uh, they're 3-3. Three three. The Redskins are 3-3. Three three. It's a home game for the Redskins. Cousins has done really well this season. He's thrown a lot of touchdowns, but unfortunately they're just not winning games. But NFC Divisional game, East, East NFC East Divisional game, always very tough, always very close. I measure towards the Redskins to win a close one. Yeah, I'm going with the Washington professional football team as well. <laughs> <laughs> the Washington professional football team. I like that. Politically correct on the Irish NFL podcast, like always. Uh, I will go with Washington as well for this uh, game. Um, yeah, I just think the Dallas Cowboys, uh, just too much stuff's gone on in the background. The three victories haven't been against good teams. So, yeah, I think that's a, a, vi- a game that we'll all agree on. Steelers then visiting the Lions. Um, I've already stated I think they're going to be 11-2 at some stage. So, uh, my victory here is going to the Steelers. What about yourself, Steve? I actually think the Lions are going to cause an upset in this one. Really? I hate to break it. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate that. Um, I just, I, there's been, the one area of the Cedars that's been up and down has been has been Ben. And I think he needs to have a big game. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's in him this week. Okay. The Lions coming after a bye week as well. It's a late game Sunday night, so they have more time to be ready. Um, the Lions have lost some tough games at home this season. I think they're going to reverse the trend and win the match on Sunday night. Okay, so, so I'll be the lone wolf for this one. Um, I still see the Lions, no matter what happens, even when they lose games, they put up some high number of scoring points. And yeah. I don't know whether the Steelers can live with them because Steelers are very good at grinding out wins. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm going with Steelers, but I do enjoy watching the Lions play. I think they just, they're just they an entertaining team, yeah. um, and it's always fun to watch Stafford. Um, then the Broncos visiting the Chiefs. Well, I don't think we need to ask you on this one, Brian. No, the Chiefs are going to rebound after two tough losses. Good Chiefs at home, definitely. For divisional Chiefs. games, I just hate picking divisional games um, for absolutely no reason whatsoever. The Broncos. Wow. Okay, we could be uh, we could be bringing you back as the NFL guru from now on, Steve. If that one comes true, because uh, I just I can't see this Chiefs uh, continuing what they've been doing. So I think they're going to get this win uh, and beat a Broncos team that just hasn't been impressive. It's one of the most dangerous things in the NFL to say they can't keep losing. Yeah. Because sometimes teams can. That, uh, that, that is true. They, the, the Chiefs had such a good start as well. Um, but no, I think I think this is going to be a victory for them. Well, guys, look, that's the week eight games done and dusted. Uh, before we leave you, um, since I am presenting today, and I'm going to bring back a section that I like, which is the recommended reading section. Uh, and Steve, as a, the 42.e NFL guru, is there any recommended reads from the past week or so or well obviously you should read everything on the 42 <laughs> I, that goes without saying um, I would say uh, Kevin Clark and the Ringer has a really good piece with uh, about Derek Carr but it's with David Carr it's with some of his high school coaches and stuff and it's talking about how Derek when he was a kid used to go along with David to the Houston Texans and he would stand there reading the defences and just the breadth and depth of his, his knowledge as a quarterback to go with the arm talent and I think it's just a really good insight and not just because I'm a Raiders fan I think Carr is one of one of the most exciting younger quarterbacks in the NFL uh, and I'd say that if he was even play, if he was playing for the Broncos or the Chiefs I think he's just really fun to watch uh, and he's got all the throws and this kind of explains why he's kind of learned that kind of process Brian anything from you on recommended reading or listening this week no? No not particularly no. I only have one because it's, uh, it's about one of your favourite people at the moment it is a Peter King article on Tony Romo and his career to date as an NFL analyst, Brian is a huge fan, aren't you, Brian? 
Not at all. <laughs> are, we, are we all agreed that Tony Romo is overrated as a as a color commentator? I don't think he's good whatsoever. Literally, all he does is describe what cover two is every week. And I think this, Hello, ar- this article is someone w- on my team. Yeah, does. this article is well worth reading because I think Peter King tries to color it a little bit too much. That Romo is made out to be amazing. I I enjoy Romo, but I have got tired of certain. I've been, I've been giving out about him so I'm not going to start repeating myself because people who are listening to this podcast think yeah. I'm all them grumpy and, <laughs> and the, the other dirty secret of the whole thing is that because they're the, the broadcasters they get to see the practice so he sees the plays yeah. it's not like he's taking this from like he obviously has a wealth of knowledge don't get me wrong but he's actually seen these r- the teams run these exact plays in practice so he knows what's coming up by the formation so yeah. I don't know I can take him or leave him but if you call three or four plays as the quarterback comes up to get the snap you're bound to get one right Unless <laughs> last week where he called three out and he got all of them wrong. Yeah, well, uh, on the Crabtree winning touchdown against the Chiefs, he circled Amari Cooper as the player who the ball was going to in the middle of the end zone when like, he didn't even see Crabtree down the bottom left-hand corner. So, and I, I know you don't expect a right-handed quarterback to roll left, yeah. but you know, if he was the, you know, the, NFL, ge- the yeah. genius that he, you know, people are painting him to be, he might have spotted that. That's all I'm saying. All right, well, look, there are two recommended reads. Before we leave, any bets of the week, Brian, that we're going to be putting up on the Twitter page? No, I haven't looked at anything, but judging by... The uh, selections, there's a lot of home wins there. Um, yeah. So I think if you roll up quite a few home wins this week, um, you could. You won't get you won't get very rich, yeah. but you might make a few quid. You don't have any on you, Steve? The under in the books, Panthers, because both are really struggling on offense. Perfect. We'll put that one out on, on our Twitter page as well. Well, look, guys, that is the uh, NFL Irish, uh, Irish NFL podcast episode done and dusted. Uh, thanks to Steve from the 42.e for joining us today in... Uh, uh, Mark's absence, who is on a beach somewhere with a mojito, or no, no matter what he's going to do, he's going to watch the NFL this weekend, though, he's told us. Yeah. And uh, he's been uh, texting us for the last few days. In um, an earlier start of the games this weekend, when the clock's gone back, it's five o'clock start. Yeah. So you'll find this episode on iTunes, SoundCloud, and as always, follow us on Twitter at Irish NFL Pod. Podcast has been brought to you by the42.ie, Ireland's leading sports website. And it's goodbye from Steve. Goodbye. Goodbye from Brian. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.